Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. everybody and welcome to a very special episode of the Dead Prankle podcast. Now I am so looking forward to all of you hearing this. This week we have an incredible guest. You might know her from Love Island or The Full Monty. She is just an incredible human being so I am super excited to introduce Shauna Phillips. Now Shauna was super generous with her time and there is pretty much nothing that we didn't cover in this episode. So strap yourselves in and welcome along to the Dead Parent Club podcast. So first of all, Shauna, thank you so much for coming on to the Prank Club podcast. I am thrilled. Shauna and Biggie and Bunny as yeah. well, because if you hear the occasional snort, just to give you a heads up, that's not me and Kat. <laughs> or Shauna. Is... Yeah, it's not Shauna. <laughs> or me. <laughs> um, it's Shauna's beautiful dogs, Bunny and Biggie. They are so cute. And we love, they are hell. We love the snort. But if you do hear it, it's not us. Just <laughs> as a heads up there. <laughs> but yeah, Shauna, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you for having me. Let's start way, way, way back to little Shauna. Um, What was your world like and what was it like with your dads? I was the biggest tomboy you would ever meet. Like and I, but I think that's testament to how how close me and my dad were. Like my dad weren't. My mum didn't have my brother until I was seven, so I was a little bit like the designated son. And yeah, and it really did rub off. So I was, so me and my dad were just like big Star Wars fans, big football fans. And that was kind of our thing. So that was me up until I was about 14. I went to an all girls school. So I think it all went downhill pretty quickly <laughs> from there. But, um, but yeah, I was just, I was the biggest football fan. I was, I just wanted to kind of spend time with my dad, really. What was your dad's name, Shauna? Eddie. And, was he kind of your idol? Do you remember significant memories of him where you go, oh, that was a good day when you were little? Yes. Arsenal had just won the double <laughs> and we we went to the parade at, um, it was at Highbury at this point. And um, I remember my dad, oh, this makes me sad. We bought, um, you know, like the horns, like the, yeah. and my dad's one didn't work. And it was just like, and honestly, I was like, oh, and I must have only been like maybe eight or nine. I remember I was only allowed to stay up late when when Arsenal was playing. This was like way back when we used to be 
good any good and actually <laughs> a long time so, ago um, <laughs> a, a very long time ago way back when yeah um so to be fair it does revolve quite a bit around football and then around the new star wars trilogy coming up <laughs> but yeah i would say arsenal doing the double i mean to my dad that was probably a bigger day than my actual birth <laughs> best day of his life um, <laughs> Love it. yeah yeah but to me yeah it was just spending time with my dad yeah i love that you're dad passed away when you were you 23 uh i think i was 22 22 23 so yeah that is no then tell us the the kind of story then from your dad's diagnosis to that kind of journey to them him obviously passing away yeah so my dad was ill for i think it was about 18 months um he got diagnosed in the he he become ill in the August. So although he didn't get diagnosed until like November, we we knew we were just waiting for the confirmation. But I mean, we knew, and um, and it was a really weird time because my my friend had passed away. He had been killed. He had um, been punched uh, in the back of the neck, and it burst a, a vein that was going to his brain, and he he passed away. That was in the June. So. That was my first experience with death mm. that hadn't been like an elderly like family member. It's always sad, but you kind of expect yeah. it. Yeah. So when it, my friend died and he was 20, that was just and completely out of the blue. That was just traumatising. Yeah. But then I literally only had a month after that and then my dad become ill. But then everything else in the world just seemed so minor because it just all revolved around my dad. And it was weird because we were selling my granddad's house in Ireland. My dad's family are Irish. Um, so we were selling my granddad's house in Ireland. He'd passed away a few months prior. And it was just, it was really stressful. I remember my dad being so stressed out about it. So stressed out to the point that my dad used to be a black cab driver. He was driving around and he looked in his mirror and he had his eyes had gone yellow. Aww. And we put it down to the stress because he wasn't sleeping, he wasn't eating. But then he rang my mum and he said, um, I've just noticed my eyes, are, so I'm just going to drive to A&E and just see what, like, what the situation is. But he must have known something was up. I don't know whether that was the first sign or whether it was just the first sign that he couldn't ignore. But yeah, he drove straight to A&E and I remember they'd done, they were doing all kinds of tests on him. He ended up being admitted to hospital and was in there for about a week. Wow. And they, just, they didn't know what was wrong with him. They was treating him for kind of ev- a bit of everything, but... They just couldn't tell us what was wrong. And do you know what? It's just so weird because I feel like from the moment my mum said, oh, daddy's going to A&E, I just had a feeling. And you don't ever utter the words, that the big C, you don't ever say that out loud because you don't, it's almost like you don't want to talk it into existence. But I just, every time they was like, oh, we're going we're gonna to send him for a CT scan because we think he might have kidney stones and all of that. I would hope with every fibre that they'd be like, yeah, it's kidney stones. But I just knew it weren't. I just, I just knew. And my mum and dad were supposed to be going on holiday to Lanzarote and was waiting for results to come back for him to, to be able to be released from hospital. And he said to my my mum, said, I'm not going on holiday. And my dad said, you have to go because if you don't go, I can't come out in a week's time. Aww. So you need to go. And my mum's like, I can't, I can't. And he was like, that's fine, Sean is here. And I was thinking, what, hun? <laughs> my mum, my dad said to my mum, you've got to go on holiday. Um, if you don't go, I won't be able to come out in a week's time. Don't be rude, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> my mum went and I remember those, because my, my dad was still in hospital. And I remember those few days, I was actually delirious. I, 
I was sick with worry. I was having to go home to quickly walk the dog to then go straight back to hospital. And I remember there was this time when I was driving home, I hadn't slept for about three days. And I, I almost kind of just zoned out a bit. And when I'd got back, I was thinking that was so dangerous, but that was just how delirious I was. That's so sad for like a 20 year old. Like as you got older, I think yeah. we're, we're similar ages. And yeah. I, I was 19 when my mum got diagnosed terminal. And like, you look back at that younger self of who you are and you're like, oh my God, my heart oh breaks my, Yeah, you. It makes yeah, you it does. It, it does. Cause you have to grow up in a split second. It does make you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we was, my dad had gone for like an MRI scan um, I remember he rang me with a voicemail and I missed it. I was at work. He rang me and said, um, hi, Sean, just to let you know, uh, the MRI scans come back. There's no tumours or anything like that. So that's great news. Um, but the consultant's going to come around tomorrow and, and give me more of an update. And I was honestly, it was at that point And I was like, I was wrong. I was wrong this whole time. Thank you, God. I, like, I just can't. Mm. I, I think I prayed and I was like, thank you so much. And then... Went to pick my dad up from hospital the next day. The consultant actually popped his head in the room and said, sorry, I'm, I'm running late. Um, I will be in, but just let so you know, I, I was wrong yesterday. There is a tumour, but we don't know if it's malignant or anything yet. So I'll come in in a bit. And then just kind of went back out and, and left me and my dad to it. And I was there. I remember instantly my lips started tingling. And I was like, great, having a panic attack. And my dad's first words to me was, don't you dare tell your mum. And I was like, <gasps> Like, like, well, I, I hadn't even thought about that side of it yet. And he, yeah, instantly he said, do not tell your mum, whatever you do, you have to swear on my life, you're not going to tell your mum. And because he wanted to tell her, he wanted obviously to have that conversation. It wasn't something that she should have been told over the phone anyway. But in that moment, I, like every phone call I had with my mum after that, I just had to be like, yeah, everything's fine. And oh. I was just, all you want is your mum to be like, no, everything's okay. But I... In one sense, I wanted to save her from it because yeah. the, the longer she didn't know, the less she had to deal with it. Yeah. But And I knew she would have killed my dad if he knew if she knew that he made me swear. So I was I really wanted to grass him up, but <laughs> I didn't. I didn't tell her. <laughs> um, and we ended up going to Lanzarote. They let my dad out because obviously there was nothing they could do right away. It kind of has to take, take its toll. And I just remember that holiday. Oh, my God. It was just... Uh, do you know what? From that moment, every picture of me, I you can just uh, maybe I can tell more, but mm. I'm just the, the smile was just like, mm. like I, I just <laughs> there was no literally there was just a whole world of things going in my head. So did your mum know when you went out to Lanzarote? Then did your dad have that conversation, or did you do the whole holiday without your mum knowing? I don't know. I I actually don't know. I remember then coming home and then. Again, you kind of have these conversations with doctors and whatnot, and it's still not confirmed, but that they're treating it as if as it, if it is confirmed. And to this day, I actually don't know when my mum found out. I don't know when my mum because because at that point it's it's like all systems go, we're gonna yeah. fight this, we're gonna do every single thing. What's the plan of action? You're almost at war. And you yeah. don't you don't let up from that level of attack. At, at, at any point I remember even when my dad was in the hospice so we knew it was kind of within the next few hours he was going to pass and they told us within the next 24 hours he, he won't be here and it was like he he ended up living for like another five days wow. and me and my mum would say to each other on like day two and day three we'd be like oh, like maybe we can turn this around but you have to be like 
no, like, mm. no, this is it. Because you're just so used to having hope. Yeah. yeah. That you almost feel like you're, you're doing him a disservice from not having mm. it anymore. But people also say, you know, oh, you've had a terminal diagnosis, so you can prepare, you can expect it. You don't freaking prepare for it at all. You just don't, you don't, you do not accept that that is going to happen like at all. Not in a million years. Like it's, it's almost like preparing to fail. Like, yeah. it, like, and don't get me wrong. Like my, my dad having chemo was worse than cancer mm. because it is, it robs them of any quality of life. But you are so torn, and I probably still deal with that a little bit now. Because if you told me that I I could give my dad's ashes chemo, and it could potentially give him another another ten minutes, selfishly I would do it, mm. even though I know that it would be a horrible ten minutes. Yeah. But what what do you choose? And like I've about six months after my my dad passed away, I found a lump in my boob, which ended up being nothing, thank God. But I remember thinking. I, I don't want treatment. I've seen what treatment is and I don't want that. But then how can I deny my mum the the right for me to to try and fight? It's just, it's like choosing what arm to amputate. It's just horrendous. It's horrendous. It is. It is really hard. My When my mum was diagnosed, she refused treatment after she got her terminal diagnosis. And like, sometimes I'm like, if she'd had it, we might have had a bit longer with her. But at the same time, she had like a year and a half of like a good quality of life. So you kind of like, Oh, you know, like how there is no, there is no good choice really, is there? There isn't, there isn't. And before my dad got ill, whenever I would ever hear that someone has been diagnosed with cancer but not having any treatment, I used to be like, how selfish is that? Mm. But now I completely, completely understand. I still think would six months of my dad being my dad have been better than 18 months of, like, I can't, I just can't even explain the trauma that I have from seeing my dad who was 16 stone big strong man would take on the world going down to what he went down like that's it's just horrendous it's absolutely horrendous when I can't believe there's children out there that have that oh yeah I know like it it keeps you up at night the thought Mm. of it keeps you up at night Mm. but then what 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 other options do you have that's the thing isn't it and ultimately um you go into, like you said, it's survival mode and you're just like, we'll do anything desperately just to keep this person alive. And you're not even, you're not thinking about quality of life at the time. You just desperately want them here. And that's that's not actually selfish because it's born out of love. And mm. um, what was life like for you, Shauna, in the immediate aftermath of your dad's passing? Even before that, actually. Yeah. When, when he was getting treatment, because you're like, you're like 20. What were you doing at that time when you were 20? I was, to begin with, I was working in River Island. Um, I had just, so my, I graduated from university in like the October mm. and my dad had, had been ill from the August and began treatment in the November. Okay. So it was the build up to the treatment. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was absolutely horrendous. Like, I just, I used to, thank God for Ryland, because I used to literally go into work and just cry mm-hmm. my whole, my whole time that I was in there. And my, my managers were so good, but not, but not just the emotional impact. People don't understand the financial impact. My dad was self-employed. We went from living an amazing life to then all of a sudden my dad couldn't work because he, so because my dad's treatment, it was stage four pancreatic cancer is like one of the worst it's, I think it's got like a three percent survival rate it's just you don't survive yeah. it if you get it 
and he couldn't work but he he wanted to because he if he didn't we was going to be homeless and to think that but to think that someone who's fighting for their life has to worry about that it's like what my dad's paid taxes since he was 18 how on earth mm. is that the two options that we have don't get me wrong my mum my mum had a great job but to sustain a, a, a big household with me and my brother and my my dad and a dog and then all other bills and everything else mm. combined the stress was just incredible it was just and I, that it was very hard on my dad because my dad was so used to being a provider yeah. and being able to have money whenever he needed it to then not having it it's it's, it's so dehumanizing but you you you're going into survival mode you just don't even i i probably still haven't really dealt with it i i, I truly don't think i have i don't i honestly don't know if no, you ever actually yeah. do like whether you when it's that traumatic like you do just kind of you can't bring yourself to sit and actually think about it for that long it's, talking about it is one no. thing but actually sitting yeah. and processing i think it, yeah, it's traumatic my dad lost his mum when i was when he was like 23 so, but he never spoke about it. He really, really struggled with it. And even my aunt, my, my dad's sister, who is a couple of years older than him, she was still having kind of therapy sessions over, over that loss. My, my nan died like quite suddenly. So it was a, it was a lot different in mm. terms of the death and, and the situation. Even though when people say like, do you have, did you have conversations with your dad about things and whatnot? In a roundabout way we did, but I never accepted that I was preparing for my dad to die. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have those conversations because you think, no, there is no rush. Because mm. I, I didn't want my dad to think that I was like getting ready to say goodbye to him. Like, not in a million years. It's too like, depressing, isn't he, it? Like... Oh, completely. It's, mm. it's, I just, we, me and my mum say all the time, we just never let ourselves go there. Mm. And I think that's almost what keeps you going. We, we, missed, we missed it. When my dad died, we had to then adjust to not having weekly cancer clinics, not saying, oh, what's he eating today? Um, or in the night, I'd, I all of a sudden I started sleeping lightly because if I heard my dad yawn, mm. I'd sit up and go, is everything okay? Does my mum need me to go in there and do anything? To then adjust into not hearing that anymore, it's like your, your body kind of misses it a little bit. How was it for you, like with your friends and stuff at that time? Because your life is so completely different to Ugh. everybody else's life around you. Yeah, yeah, I I was so jealous because mm. I just think um I wish I had boy problems. Yeah. And <laughs> I wish my hair weren't curling right, yeah. and it's it's almost it's it's overwhelming to think back to the day before my dad become ill because I just can't even fathom what my problems were. Like, what did I think on that day that my problem was? Like, it's just, it's crazy. But I was, I'm very, very lucky that when, well, I say lucky. <laughs> I don't know if that's the word. My best friend, Connor, his girlfriend, they'd recently started going out and her mum had also had cancer, well, had cancer at the time. And I remember she passed away and I remember, I didn't even want to tell my dad because I was just thinking, you just don't want to tell him that news. But having my Emma, my friend there, like we'd only known each other for a few months. And when my dad went into the hospice, she said to me, do you want me to come? And I just, I thought, yeah, please. Like, And even thinking about it now, that must have been just 
so big for her to even yeah. step foot in into a place like that. I mean, I had my COVID jab in the same hospital where my dad had his cancer clinic. Aww. And it's the first time I've been back there since. And I walked past and had a panic attack. Yeah, I'm not surprised. So I can't, yeah, I can't even imagine what it must have been like for her to step foot in a place like that six months after her mum died. But I've been so lucky to have that person there to talk about, not even have to talk, just know or like say things or sometimes like I go to their house and like me and her will just sit there and cry or and like we have like a dark sense of humour that everyone yeah. else that hears yeah. they're like you're yeah. really yeah. Yeah. that's up. fucked <laughs> you're in good yeah, company here really Shauna deep. in very good company yeah. oh my god yeah do you know what I was around hers once and there was a phone ring oh your phone's ringing and it said dad should... oh wait that's not yours and I was like <laughs> wow and she's like oh wait I did meet it like that and I was like yes you did you really did meet like that I, I, <laughs> but if anyone else said that to me yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I have this like sixth sense right for people that have got a dead parent I don't know what it is right but <laughs> I, st- I started a new job a few months ago and there was this girl that's in my team and I was like this girl she is a great girl like really I can just tell <laughs> I can just tell and within about a week I'd obviously like oversharing about like my mum and my life and stuff and then she ended up telling me that her dad was dead and I was like I knew it like I just knew it and also when I first saw you on um Love Island obviously years ago and I was like this girl (laughs) this is a great girl top girl and obviously didn't know for months and months months yeah but I was like, no wonder. Like, but you know what? They're always the best people. Yeah, there was. I was going to touch <laughs> on that actually because what struck me watching you on Love Island was you had definitely a wisdom beyond your years. Oh my god, yeah, and yeah. a loyalty. Really? Um, and you were a girl's girl. You could really tell that there was a real. Well, it was obvious to everyone that you were a girl's girl. But in the same vain as you Kat there was something you were you were older in your head mm. far older you were well beyond your years and that it all makes sense yeah because to go through that experience yeah. you had to grow up so quickly you were dealing with things yeah. that your friends were you know mm. like you say you wish and we've been there you wish you have when you're crying in a pub toilet and people oh. think it's over a lad you oh. you wish it was fucking over a oh, lad God, don't you what's he done yes. babe not yes. like my yeah. parents dead yeah. Yeah. he's yeah. left me yeah. he's left yeah. me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no oh I it's uh, you're 100% true yeah oh my god completely and but it's it's the same like my one of my managers at my my management company, um, her dad passed away as well. And when she told me, I was like, "Oh my god, Sam!" Yeah. <laughs> like, it's almost like yeah. yeah. And if anyone else heard you bonding over yeah. that, they're like, "Wow!" Yeah. But do you know what? Although people might not understand having like not a sense of humor, like my dad was so funny. That's definitely where I I get my humor from. But if I can't laugh about not it, but if I can't make mm-hmm. lighthearted jokes about things like that then I would just succumb to the grief. Yeah. Like, you do just succumb to it. And, like, you do... So when people, like, have these first world problems, even mm. when I have them... Like, when I'm on the treadmill and I'm, like, two <laughs> minutes deep and I'm, like, I'm going to die, I'm like, your dad went through worse than this. You've <laughs> got a grip of yourself. <laughs> yeah, so I apply it to absolutely everything in my life, literally, because it does make you just stiff up that top of lip and just mm. go, do you know what? Get on with it. Mm. And it but it does, it's true when you say like your your friends don't don't know what they're going through. Like I had friends whose parents didn't know what I was going yeah. through. 
They couldn't even fathom it. And you find that people are scared almost. I found oh some God, of yeah. my friend's parents didn't know oh, what to completely. say to me. And I was like, this is not helpful that you <laughs> don't know Don't what acknowledge to say. the fact that the worst possible thing has just happened in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're so true. And I actually think like one negative about it is that I got into a... So while my dad was dying, I don't even like saying that word, but when he was ill... Um, I was in a relationship that was so bad that needed to end. Mm. But I almost felt like it, if I'm dealing with this like drama, I don't need to deal with this drama. Yeah. yeah. And then like that that did end. And then literally like three weeks before my dad passed, I got into like the worst relationship. And then I I just kept it for like two years. Wow. And it was so bad. But I felt like it was almost delaying. Yeah. Like what I knew I had to deal with like mm. so bad so I kind of felt like I I clung I, I clung on to this relationship because his dad had died as well ah, okay so I was almost like he will know he will he will mm. so know literally like three days after my dad died I must have been crying in my sleep and he woke me up and said that if I don't stop crying he's going to get a cap home <laughs> oh so my I God. went and sat in the front room and cried oh. <laughs> The thing thing is though is that ending a relationship is like another form of grief, isn't it? So it is like you it is like your mind trying to protect yeah. yourself from having to deal with even more of it. So you're just like, it's fine, just dealing with the shitness yeah. is better than me grieving. And it. and I think another thing is completely. it completely when you lose a parent, you're at a very young age particularly, your identity, mm. your self-esteem, everything just Ugh. plummets yeah. so yeah. low that actually yeah. I've been guilty of it. I've accepted not even second rate, it wasn't even love. I've accepted horrific yeah. treatment. Mm. because I was like you will cling on to what you think is love and it's yeah that's not spoken about enough the damaging effects of that I essentially was in a relationship where the boy was going I don't want to be with you and I was like no but you might let's (laughs) just try like let's just try (laughs) you'll cling on to that tiny bit of affection as well that kind of makes you feel like worthwhile like those tiny bits of affection you're like you're like obsessed with it and then that's what keeps you going every time. And I think it's also because, like, you are only, like, and, and I understand now that not everyone has the same relationship with their dad or mm. their parents that I was so bloody lucky to have. So I get that now. Mm. So I, you are only, if you're lucky, you're only blessed with, like, two absolute ride or dies mm. that, you know, if you need 10 grand tonight or you need to bury a body, they've mm. got your back. So to then know that one of those people aren't there anymore, you just feel open. You just feel like you're now. Now what? And not only that, like I, my relationship with my mum changed for like a year because I almost kept her at a distance because I, I, I almost felt like, well, I don't want to get too close to you in case yeah. you decide to dip out on me. Even though I mean, you're already close anyway. That's your mum, <laughs> but and I just had. I just had so much emotion. I didn't know what to do with it. Like I just, I was already, I was already blaming my mum for potentially at some point in her life getting a new partner, which mm. hasn't happened, which I kind of hope doesn't ever happen. <laughs> but I was, I was already like putting so much anger on her at the that because of that that mm. I didn't even want to look at her. I was just saying it is so hard navigating that relationship with the parent that's left behind. Like it is one of the hardest things you have to do because like their emotions are completely different to yours. 
and your your way of handling handling it would be different to them and they're probably angry about it you're angry about it and I think yeah I was the same like with my dad I was like I'd, me and my dad didn't really talk much before my mum died, even though I lived with him. But I was suddenly just like, oh God, who is this man? And how do I, how do I, like, how do I talk to him? How are you? So stressful. <laughs> yeah. Did you talk to anyone professionally? No, no, I didn't because I, essentially I just thought, unless you can teleport my dad back here, then there is nothing that you can say to me this gonna make me walk out of the room and be like oh oh, that was nothing oh my god what was that about so I didn't and it's not that I'm against it my my aunt my dad's sister who is so like dramatic over everything but she said great I'm still in therapy over my mum and now we need to go because of my brother (laughs) so she she is she does and it is completely I, I may have if I didn't have Emma Mm. who I could have who I could vent to at any point I, I might I might have yeah but yeah for me I just thought and I also I never used to deny myself my feelings mm. so like every now and then I'd like go home and if I'd cry I would cry solidly mm. for like five minutes and then I would almost like hear my dad go right you've had your moment now nah, yourself, pull yourself off. together yeah. Yep. And then I'd pull myself together and I'd be like, right, like t- check in, check out. That was my grief for the day. I do think that's a good way of doing it, to be honest. I think I, I do that. Yeah. Yeah. You just allot yourself some time. Yeah. I, I have it bubbling under the surface for like long periods of time. And then I'll have like a big breakdown. Yeah. And then I'll be like, okay, fine. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> Mine are the worst. So I don't really drink. I've just, my mum and dad weren't big drinkers. Mm. I'm not a big drinker. But if I ever do get, drunk oh I'm I would literally sit next to like someone in the kebab shop like can I talk to you about my dad that's literally my life (laughs) (laughs) funny story just interim story right I'm I'm on hinge at the moment right um and one this guy had on his profile um it was like I can't his answer to a question or something like um I can guarantee your mum will love me and I could not help myself but oh. reply to it and be like, mm. Mum's dad. <laughs> you're in for some you're in for a tough time, hunk. I dare you. Yeah. <laughs> How did he challenge? <laughs> well, he actually didn't reply. Oh. <laughs> he didn't match me. It's fine. I mean, you he's, he's not for you then. You, you wouldn't though, would you? <laughs> You'd be like, oh. yeah. So yeah, I would actually. I'd be like, that's fucking great banter. I'm having that. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, that is good banter. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
obviously you said that you got into a relationship for two years after that wasn't a good one at all. How did your dad's death change your relationship with yourself and your inner dialogue, the way you spoke to yourself? Um, do you know what? I felt like I was a superhero after. So literally, I remember while, when my dad was in the, the hospice, I remember thinking, they're like I, I've got some friends that have, have lost their parents and I was looking at them like, is this how you've been like walking around life? Like you've just been out here living with this pain. Like you are a champ. So do you know what? I kind of thought, I didn't feel like I was better than anyone, but I felt like I could handle myself a lot better than a lot of people. There wasn't much that I couldn't overcome. And it almost gave me a sense of like, I dare you. Like, I, apart from the relationship, which I was like, love me. We've been oh, there. that one. Yeah. I would literally, and I, oh, I, I started this job, which is still to this day my favourite job. Like, I actually loved it. But I threw myself into it. I would work hours. Like, my normal day would be like eight till four. I would get in the office at six in the morning and I'd leave at nine o'clock at night. Mm. And for no extra pay, I just loved it. And by doing it and like so I I used to um arrange repairs for people's houses and um just helping people Mm. it just it made me feel better and I also took absolutely no SHIT in the office like there was I remember there was this guy and he was like he was like fresh out of uni and he'd like come in as like a manager and he would like try and tell me what's doing that. And I just used to absolutely <laughs> roast him on the coals. It gives you a level of superiority mm. because you just know, you know that there are adults out there that just, they just don't know. Like, don't get me wrong. So it's like you said, like in my house, there was me, my mum and my brother. We all was obviously grieving the same person, but we was grieving completely different relationships. Mm. I can't even fathom my mum losing her husband. Like, that is insane touch with please god i don't please god. To yeah. deal with that yeah but my mum also didn't understand that she had her dad up until he was in his 70s mm. she had her dad at her wedding like she had her dad meet her kids you're grieving your future as well as you're grieving Massively. what you've lost yeah you've you've literally yeah. grieved so much don't you that's what people don't tell you either before it happens to you before it happens to you, like, mm. you know, it's not just the fact that you're losing this person, but you're losing this future that you're not going to have together either. And mm. it's brutal. Yeah, you're deprived of so much. Mm. So, so much. Oh, so much. It, like, I always say now, without sounding too pessimistic, like, my life will never truly be as good as it could be because of every single milestone in my life. Yep. It's tinged like, with sadness. that person might... Completely. Yeah. Like, even... It's not matter how many people say... Oh, your dad would be so proud. I know. I know my dad's proud. But I want to hear him say it. Mm, exactly. <laughs> so every single thing in my life will never truly be as amazing as it as it was supposed to be, I like to say. It's so annoying that, isn't it? It's so frustrating. Yeah. It's so rude. It's so, it's so rude. The audacity, me, to be honest. <laughs> honestly, me and God fell out for a good year and a half, let me tell you. We're only just on talking about it now. <laughs> So obviously a lot of people are going to know who you are because of Love Island. And I've been, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think, you never spoke about it on there, did you? 
or wasn't aired um, you know that you spoke about it it wasn't aired it wasn't yeah. aired. I was wondering because um, you couldn't have gone that long without mentioning like by the way my dad's dead oh <laughs> my god I, it, I was like hi my name's Sean and my dad died two years ago <laughs> 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 I, I, I was really interested to know like whether you, know, yeah. you spoke about it quite candidly on there with them or not yeah no definitely I think they aired it once I mm. think they aired it like kind of near my end in there I get it now. When I was in there, oh my God, everyone felt the wrath of me. But I get it now looking back that it's a dating show. It's lighthearted fun. They don't really want to hear me giving the nation like a a one-to-one tour on how to like get through grief. I get it. But in so in in the villa, (laughs) it's still very annoying. Let me get my fucking let me get my sob card out. (laughs) I've worked hard for this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but there's um there's like hidden tannoys all throughout mm. the villa and like when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing or whatever the producers talk to you through the tannoy so i mean i look like school yeah. like they would say like don't talk about that sean and get away from there and and this that, and the other and i think it was me and like most of the girls were sitting in the um kitchen area and we was just chilling like if you're not having a proper chat you're kind of just chilling with your mates and I remember Jess, the twin, like we were really close. And she said to me, oh, Shauna, can you tell us a little bit about your dad? Aww. And I was like, well, allow me. <laughs> did, you, did you want to have a dad? <laughs> yeah. And so we was talking about it there. And literally through a tannoy directly behind us, the, um, the producer went, Shauna, Jess, enough of that chat now, please. And I literally was like, you fucking what? And I took my mic off. Mm. I took my mic off and I was like, meet me outside the house now. Because <laughs> that was where the smoking area yes. was. Yeah. You, you're literally not, you're not allowed to take that off. So I knew by taking it off, I'd garner some kind of like Get my response. Earrings out. So t- yeah. Oh, literally. I was like, you meet me downstairs now because I am going to fucking annihilate you. And yeah, I went down there. I had murders. They was like, we're so sorry. We didn't mean it. I was like, listen. I am your fucking age. Don't ever talk to me like that again. Let me have the conversation. Take me to the beach hut. Tell me to not like talk about it again in a polite way. Do not say it in front of the whole villa because then the whole villa goes, oh, what was they talking about? Mm. Was they talking about how many followers they've got on Instagram? Oh, great. Like, no. Like, you can't go that long without talking about your parents. And, and, and it isn't, yeah. it doesn't matter what show you're on, Shauna, it's nobody else's place to tell you, you need to stop talking mm. about your dead dad. Mm. Yeah. And actually, yeah. what that could have done is when you think about the audience watching that show, it could have helped a lot of people if they'd have listened and broadcast yeah. it. Because... We aren't the only three people in the country <laughs> who've got a dead parent. And so no, you, no, you could have yeah. really, really helped people. And I admire you so much for taking your mic back off and going and yeah. saying, no, <laughs> no, because do you know what? You that Why should you be told? No one can tell you to not talk. Yeah. I would feel like I'd be seething. It was almost just like, all right, shut up now. Like, oh, enough of that conversation now, please, girls. And I was just like, listen, you don't, mm. you don't, don't ever, ever. Talk to me like that. Especially like and that. And yeah. no, yeah. And I mean, they apologised. I'm wrong. They apologised. And like, I, I get it. But yeah, there was a time and a place. Don't speak to me. Like, they, they do, like you said, like a wisdom beyond your years. They do treat you a lot like um, you, you they're the, the adult and yeah. you're the child. Yeah. Whereas 
I, I, I was the oldest in the villa. I was 25. I, I was the oldest in That's there. That's crazy, isn't it? So, 25 and you're the oldest. So, oh, it, <laughs> honestly, yeah. I was like, guys, can we uh, tidy up now, please? Can we have tidy up time? <laughs> um, but uh, but I felt it. I, I felt it as well. Because there, there was... There, there was things going on when I was just like, "It's not a big deal." Someone yeah. kill me, kill yeah. me now. Yeah, yeah I bet. <laughs> did, did you did you think about your dad a lot in there? And did you think what would he, what would he think? Well, yeah, because what would he say? What, you yeah. have your integrity. You're very true to yourself. Yeah. And I wonder if you know. You said you were really close, and you thank your dad a lot for who you are. So I wonder if because you're put in situations that are you know somewhat artificial because who else gets put in a villa where it's like talk to these people go and do this go and do that if there was a quiet voice in your head or you had moments to think of him oh a hundred percent you know what it is almost a blessing in disguise it, it really did make me realize then that it is truly just the physical part that leaves mm. the earth mm. because i would i used to go to the smoking area is the only time that you can truly you're on you're on your own because you you're not allowed to go out with other people and like be in that area on like with other people having chats whatever you're only allowed out there on your own and i would go out there maybe two or three times a day and i would take my sweet time because it was my only time where i could just kind of be at one with myself and i would talk to my dad and my mum in my head all the time and it made me realize I'm talking to my mum as much as I'm talking to my dad. And you can hear the response. Like, you know, yeah. you've been around these people. You're you're part of these people. That's that's what you are. You know what they're going to say back. You're having these conversations. And I, I could hear them both. So it did make me realise that I'm, I'm as connected to my mum, who's still here, as I'm with my dad, who, who isn't anymore. And it's so weird that, I would literally want to leave every day only because I am just dramatic. Like when I look back, there was nothing to leave over. Like I, it was, it was, it was a fun, fun. That experience, is your life, but, though, when you're there, isn't it? Like you can't really. Uh, that's what I mean. It's, you, well, when you think back to school, every day you'd kick yeah. off, and oh my yeah. god, you hate me. It was never yeah. that bad. <laughs> so I would literally, I'd go out into the smoking area, and I'd be like, oh my god, I want to leave. I'd want to leave. And I would hear my mum and dad in my head going, don't you dare. You've been given this, this opportunity. You go back in there and you stop being a drama queen. And I'd be like, oh, fine. <laughs> and then I remember the day that I did, the night that I did leave, I went out into the smoking area and I was like, I'm really okay with leaving now. I'm, I'm really okay. And I saw a white butterfly go past me. Oh. And it was the only time that I felt like that, that I felt a sense of complete calm. And there was no voices in my head going, no, don't, don't, don't leave. I felt completely okay to leave at that point. Oh, and then it happened. That. And I just think it happened in the, in the right way. Like I, there's not a single regret. There was one time though, that I, I often, not, not lately actually, but I used to very frequently um, wake up crying and like, very I'd say maybe two or three times a week I'd wake up and I'd be crying and it happened in the villa and I was so embarrassed it happened at like five o'clock in the morning I woke up and I was crying and normally obviously I'm just like oh here we go and then I'd go back to sleep but because I was so nervous of anyone else finding out that I was crying I think I had a dream about my dad like seeing me in the villa or something like that 
and I couldn't contain my, my sobs. So then I quickly ran to the toilet. I forgot my mic, ran to the toilet and I was like sobbing in the bathroom and I was like, pull yourself together, like, come on. And on the tannoy, because you're, you're being watched 24 seven and even when we're asleep, there's a producer in the in the gallery watching us. And over the tannoy, I heard, psst, are you okay? Aww. And I was like, I was like, no. And she was like, meet me upstairs. Aww. So then I went upstairs and I was up there for like two hours with her just talking. We watched the sunset come up and oh, um, nice. we, we had a cup of tea and it was just so nice. And no one else knows about that. No, no like none of the other like housemates know about that. I just, I, I don't know whether he was there. My mum always says when people say to her like, what would Eddie make of Shauna being in Love Island? Mm -hmm. like, well, she wouldn't be in there if he was still here. <laughs> <laughs> how, how lovely that you had that moment yeah, with that producer. Really nice. I love that. that yeah. That yeah. you needed that there at that yeah. moment as well, I bet. But even that, there is an element yeah. of you go, I wonder if like partly that is your dad, that because, you know, knowing you yeah. need this help, mm. you need someone to just sit with you for that I'm a time. true believer yeah. that they make things happen, you yeah. know, that they, yeah. make, that they make good things happen when you need it the most, definitely. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And Troy yeah. was so weird as well. When I first saw Callum, who I was coupled up with in there, I thought, God, there's a picture. I obviously, I didn't tell anyone in here, but how, how weird was that? But there was a picture that I could think of my dad where he looked like Callum oh. when like when when he was no younger like my dad had tight curly hair yeah and then it was only when I'd come out that my family went god don't, don't you think you look like your dad and I was oh, like yeah wow. and then yeah and then there oh was a picture I think my friends while I was in there it was world cancer day and they, they put up a picture of me and my dad when I was like little and all of the comments underneath it was oh my god her dad looks like Callum oh. So, how mad's that? Mad. So, that is mad. so mad, so mad. Do, do you, you know, off the back of Love Island, you will have been and still are targeted by people to ask you to do certain things or to like be this. in certain <laughs> things. Yeah, like, like us, basically. <laughs> um, did you, do you feel like because of the lessons that your dad instilled into you, it's given you that sense of integrity and an idea of what is right for you and wrong for you? Because yeah. I, I follow you on social media and you always seem to just do things right, if that makes sense. It's oh, like thank you. It's like you know what's right for you. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I, I studied journalism at university. Yeah. And it was only, yeah, it was only when my dad got ill and there were so many things just with the NHS, like just with his treatment and just so many things that were wrong that I thought... I, I don't want to I don't want to write about these things I want to try and do something about these things because they are horrific and I think that's what started when I was working in repairs I used to work for a, a housing it was my local council Lambeth council so I would constantly be trying to help people who would be going through similar situations and they would tell me about it and then I'd be like have no fear I'll have a plumber with you in half an hour because I just know those little things will just make the biggest of differences. Yeah. So it's it's definitely now like I've I've worked with Macmillan, mm. um, Pancreatic Cancer UK, and like I, I always say to my management, like, don't even ask me if I'm available, just book me for it because I almost owe it I owe it to them. Mm. Like I it's it's kind of not not necessarily my purpose, but I need to pay it forward. Like Macmillan helped my family with grants when we was literally going to be evicted from our house 
like imagine if I was like yeah I'll, I'll do it but only for this fee or that mm. fee like like absolutely not like yeah. uh, if I could do anything to help these these charities oh my god like I'd I'd do it all day every day and just even like like you said you I get tagged in loads of like um go fund me pages and stuff like that and it's hard to look at and it's heavy yeah I just I don't like to necessarily pick and choose but there is definitely some people that would just never ever get the coverage or the platform that others would yeah like you see certain names all the time and then there's others that you never see like there was there was a boy um who he passed away and I remember he I think I come across his GoFundMe page maybe in like the March and I saw it and his GoFundMe page had been active since like the December. He was only like, I think he might have been four or five. And I still talk to his family now. This was in 2020. And I remember we got, we we raised all of the money that he needed within maybe 72 hours. Wow. And, and don't get me wrong, that's absolutely amazing. I just, that's the first time I thought, you know what, I, I've done so, I can sleep yeah. well tonight. Like I've, I've, I've done this for him and he passed away about three or four weeks later and I still speak to his family I speak to his aunt and I I had this not guilt but I thought bloody hell that page has been there since December Mm -hmm. and like we managed to get it but you can't and I I didn't have the platform in December like I, I wasn't anyone then so there wasn't anything I could have done but I just thought you know what that how bitter is that that they got the money and then it just weren't weren't enough? But when I spoke to his aunt, she said to me, she messaged me saying, "Did you know that we reached out to so many people and they like influencers and they said it, it just doesn't agree with like their pages aesthetic?" Mm. And I thought, do you know what? It's it will hit them one day. Unfortunately, mm. calm not karma, but God has a way of humbling you, yeah. and you will be shown in 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 a way when, like I know. If I just pray, like if anything, if my dad was ever, if a monetary value was ever put on my dad's like survival, I'd just pray there would have been someone out there. Yeah. So I just try and do it like that. I don't like to pick and choose, but there are certain people that just never get the coverage Mm. that others do. So I I try to help them if I can. Were were there other times when the coverage that you got for being you and for, for going on Love Island and the, you know, the things that you did afterwards was there ever time when that coverage got almost overwhelming for you and you wanted your dad do you know what I don't actually know how my dad would have coped my dad was very protective he I, I don't know how he would have handled it it's a lot of limelight very quickly isn't it like yeah like my mum used to get messages while I was in Love Island would get messages and be like from journalists like we're in the cafe on at the top of the road if you want to come and meet us yeah and I don't think my dad would cope that very well I don't think he would have liked to have seen I'm very good at not looking at like nasty comments like I'm so okay with just not even knowing about him but if my dad had ever seen it I just think that would have sent him a bit loopy because he would want to kill everyone that said anything bad about me or or he'd probably take it out on me like why did you have to do that but yeah, I just, I can't, this isn't a normal situation to be in, like going on Love Island, that's not normal, but I just can't imagine how my dad would have dealt with it. I do, 
I'd love to know what he thought about it all. I need to go and see a psychic soon. <laughs> um, obviously, you've been on the Full Monty as well, haven't you? And I think, was it before that that you did a YouTube video where you kind of dedicated it basically to your dad and your story with your dad? Oh, my God, that was the most horrendous yeah. YouTube. Uh, well, it wasn't there because, like, what, what was the reaction like from that? Because it must have been, I bet you must have had so many people messaging you after that. I just think it's probably my dark humour, but the cheek of the audacity of me to do how to deal with grief, YouTube. And then throughout <laughs> that video, I progressively break down more and more and more <laughs> and prove that I don't know how to deal with None grief. Of us do. It's the truth though, isn't it? It's fine. No. Do you know what? If you look at the views on my YouTubes, that didn't get that many. And mm. I think it's just because it's a place that no one unless no one, no you one wants know, to go there. It's all good to be like, oh, that must be so bad. But to actually hear someone describe it in detail, it's it's not really something. So I think the people that watched it would probably have been the people that have gone through it. But other than that, and don't get me wrong, if you if you don't know the grief, I'm bloody jealous. Like I don't want you to know the grief. Like that is so good that you don't. But it's I mean, we're all gonna experience it one day. So it's best to get to get clued up. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that this podcast is about it. This yeah. podcast is about it's you know people that haven't got a dead parent aren't as likely to listen to it. Every now and again, I get messages from people that are friends that listen to it for a bit of advice. Partners, but yeah. It's only the people that have got a dead parent and have experienced that that actually get value from it. But yeah, help like helping that those small amounts of people is huge mm. because before they never got anything, so oh, it makes a difference. Completely. Completely. I remember the day, it, no, I don't think it was his, the exact same day. No, it's maybe three or four days difference. But when I was in the hospice, I remember just being on my phone and uh, Louis Tomlinson, who was in One Direction, yeah. his mum had just passed away. And I remember, of, and it, I think it was um, leukaemia. And I remember reading it thinking, oh my God, I don't feel so alone anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it isn't just because you do feel like it is just you, you who's going through this at this very moment. So to know that, oh my God, there's someone that's kind of feeling the exact feelings that I'm feeling right now, even though me and Louis ain't mates, breaking news, <laughs> we're not mates. <laughs> but it, it did feel nice to not feel so alone. Mm. Um, How do you feel now, Shauna? Like, when you look back to that 20-year-old Shauna who was having sleepless nights thinking, oh my God, I can't tell my mum, like I'm not allowed to tell my mum. Do you feel that you've progressed or grown in any way since then in terms of, I mean, naturally you do anyway as you get older, don't you? Yeah. But how do you feel now about, even about the loss of your dad? It's still raw, but compared to then. Of course, it's it's definitely still raw. It's not, it doesn't dim. It just kind of, you adjust, you get stronger, but it's still completely like overbearing. So much has changed in my life that it's just, I just, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that old me is so weird. And I was so, I was so vulnerable back then. But of don't get me wrong, I wish every single day that my dad was still here, but it's completely changed who I am. I feel like it's, I feel like it, it changed my career path. I, I mean, like, thanks for the debt of university, but yeah. it completely changed the fact that I, I didn't want to be a journalist anymore. I wanted to do something that could 
help just one one family would make me feel better I think it's made me like I'm an Aries anyway so I'm probably an empath as it is but I am like I I feel like I feel everyone's grief yeah Yeah. anyone anyone that comes near me I'm like do you want to cry with me (laughs) I I just I feel I feel like I I feel everything a lot deeper Mm -hmm. like because because I know I know the pain of of losing someone although it might be different circumstances like I, I know the pain and it's it's like a club that no one wants to be in. We'll all be in it eventually. But when you're in it, you do just kind of you you put this armor on that is like it's made of glass yeah. <laughs> because I will shatter at any moment. But you you put it on every day and you you become the best at giving advice, even though you do feel like you are so not coping. <laughs> You do become the best. Like I had a friend who went through her house, got robbed for I can't remember when was this? Maybe like 2019. Um, there was a break-in in her home. And I remember saying to her, I promise you, there is more to life than your possessions that you've lost. And I, I get that it doesn't make it any better. And I get that, and you are so entitled to feel the way you feel, but I just promise you that like everything that you've lost can be replaced and do you know what it's actually it's changed my not that I had an outlook on money back then because I had no money (laughs) but (laughs) there is no like monetary value that once I hit I'd be like oh my god everything's amazing because it doesn't exist (laughs) like I remember the day my dad died thinking god I could be a billionaire right now and it will not change the way I feel it will not make anything better. And I think having that realisation definitely does take the pressure off of chasing a pound note because, mm. honestly, like there are some things that I've read before and I'm like, wow, when when certain people get wake-up calls, it's going to wake them up a lot. Like a ton of bricks. <laughs> you are so right, Shauna. And I think that's one of the biggest things that you and I have discussed, Kat, is you realise very quickly, and not I was never a materialistic person anyway, like, and I know you weren't, and I know you're not, Kat, but you realise that literally nothing matters. Like today, for example, yeah. like I, it was my mum that died and today I went for a coffee with my dad. We had an hour and 15 minutes together and I loved that. It was an hour and 15 minutes mm-hmm. just of me and my dad. And I was like, one day this is a memory, you know, and this is something yeah. I, I can't do with my mum and I would have loved to have done with that. And that's what matters. It And you're yeah. exactly right. You know, it costs us £6.50 for two coffees and a table water. But that's what that's more important than anything oh, in the world because you can't get that time with those people back. And I think the three of us learnt that hard lesson very young and it, it, it just changes. And... I don't know about you because you you had Emma, which was brilliant that you had Emma to talk to. But it is difficult sometimes to relate to your friends because they do still have those things, which we all do at a young age. Things matter more than they do as you get older. But I do Mm -hmm. think you almost find yourself being a, a little more lonely going this shit really doesn't actually matter that much. Like there's real problems in the world. No, completely, completely. And I am the world's worst influencer because I hate, I'm the worst. I If I go to an event or something like that, I never have my phone out because mm. I just want to see everything and yeah. actually experience it rather than what might make my Instagram look so Living much better. Living behind a screen. Like literally, 
Yeah, and I will literally, I'll go home and I'll like see people's Instagrams and I'm like, that looks so amazing. Why hmm. can't I do that? But I just don't. My phone's in my bag and I'm talking to people because I want to ask you how your day is and I want to know what what do you do? Like, rather than just sitting there, take yeah, taking pictures of everything, I'd rather live in the moment. And even though there are, I'm absolutely in no way materialistic, I do struggle with the fact that I like my dad used to like obviously buy my mum presents and and this that and the other so I now do that and I love doing it but I know it's never gonna fix anything for my mum like me buying her presents or taking her on holidays I love being able to do that and it makes me feel better but I definitely feel like I try and overcompensate like oh are you better now are you okay like (laughs) have this have that yeah when I know it won't but I also know, I, I take great comfort in knowing that my dad's probably up there going, right, good girl. Yeah, like, yeah. You're, you're looking after your mum. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I definitely, like, I love doing that. Like, that's, I, I can't do it enough. So one of the things we love to do is ask our guests to kind of bring their parent to life at the end of the podcast. So basically, please tell us again, you know, your dad's name and your favourite memory of him. Yeah, okay. So my dad is Eddie. That's another thing I always do. I don't say was. I don't talk about him in past tense because I'm like, well, I still have still a dad. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> he still is Eddie. Yeah. And like sometimes, oh my God, this is what I do. I Like I'll talk about him in present tense, obviously. And then the poor person's talking to me oh, no. he's still alive. <laughs> and then I have to pretend that he's still alive. And I'm sitting there saying, oh, he does this, he does that. Like, honestly, it's so embarrassing. I've just got to go with it. Because then I don't have the heart to be like, He's oh, dead. sorry, he's actually dead. <laughs> I just talked about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, so honestly, like other people, I've had my manager, Ella, look at me going, I'm like, yeah, no, my dad does this. Oh, yeah, he, oh, we, last night we were chatting, like, oh, no. so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Oh, I, I think yeah. I love you a little bit more yeah. for that. That is amazing. Honestly. Amazing. It's so bad. I just don't, I, I don't want to have to go through that. Yeah. Oh, he's dead. Mm. No way, I'm so sorry. It's fine. It's time. Dad, who? Um, but yeah, what yeah. is what is a lasting memory aside from Arsenal doing the double of your <laughs> of Eddie? What do you remember that you go, oh, that's my dad? Oh my god, I'll tell you what. So <laughs> he and um, him and my nan, my my nan is my mum's mum. She used to come round and stay with us um, every weekend, like from a Friday to a Monday. And she is the typical. I don't know if you remember. You know, Catherine Tate shows. Yes. She was the nan in that. Like she was. That was her. That was just her completely. And to the point where all of the little like great grandkids in my family would call her Nanny Tate. That was just her. <laughs> and like she would always not necessarily pretend that she was ill. Don't get me wrong. She had COPD and everything. But she would maybe over dramatize it to, <laughs> to like get people to get stuff for her and this that and the other. It used to wind my dad up. So when whenever my nan would come down. She would sit on the sofa. She'd have every single like TV remote. My dad couldn't watch anything on telly because my nan would have all the remotes. So, and she also, she pretended that she had like a really bad ankle. So he had to keep getting up and making her a tea and that. So what he, what he done, you know, like the um, automatic air fresheners. Yeah. It, it had run out. So it would still automatically go off, but nothing would come out and it would make like a hissing sound. Yeah. And my dad put it behind where she was sitting and it would go off all, like every now and then and she'd go, what is that? And my dad went, God, I don't know. I don't know what that is. And after about 
the second day, he went, Joan, there's a snake under your legs. Sure. And she ran across the front. Yeah, she ran across the front room quicker than Usain Bolt. I'm not even joking. She actually broke like the sound barrier getting across the, the front room. And my dad was like, see, I told you she weren't ill. That is and such was, a long game, like, that. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It was a waiting game. He also <laughs> shot her in the mouth with a Nerf gun as well at one point, And she caught it with her fake teeth. Oh, it was so oh, funny. And that's brilliant. They, then they got into, because she would always say, oh, I'm so not well at the minute. When he did get ill, he went, I told you you'd outlive all of us. <laughs> and yeah, it, it was almost like battle of the illness oh. at that point. Shauna. So just, yeah, the, the sense of humour. Yeah, <laughs> Based on that, I've built up an image of this incredible man in my head. <laughs> and it just sounds like the world is a little less bright without Eddie in it. That yeah. is genuinely, that's what it sounds like. It really is. There, can I just say there was a time when he would always, like, if we would ask him to do the washing machine or something, it'd be like, go on, make the terminally ill one do it. Me and my mum would always tell him off, like, for saying that. Like, don't say the T word, like, at all. And then there was, I was trying to make him feel better one day and he was like, Dan, and I was like, come on, sickly Sarah. And he stopped talking to me for three days. <laughs> three days he stopped talking to me. And I was just like, oh, my God, I thought that was banter. <laughs> Do you know what? It's um, so clear based on what you've said, the legacy that he's left lives on in you. Oh, like you can yeah. really, oh, the resemblance yeah. from what you've said. And... Shauna, I just want to tell you, because I know me and Kat, we're really looking forward to chatting to you. You are such a pure soul. 10 like, out of 10, girl. You oh, really are. And yeah. I cannot you. tell you how much this will help so many people yeah. and everything that you do. You know, I've learned things about you today that I realise will, and this made me even look at myself and go, I could do more with, with this life yeah. for other people, oh. actually. And... I hope that whatever you go on to continue to do in your life, that you are happy. Um, yeah. And I, I can't speak for your dad, but I can tell you anyone would be really proud to have you as a daughter. Oh my God, 100%. Anyone. Oh, thank you so much. So That's so kind of you. <laughs> it's the truth though, isn't you it? That, you know, I'm, I, I'm looking at you, I'm like, if I had a girl and she grew up to be yeah. like you, I'd be like, yes, well, I my knew girl. It. She, she, yeah. honestly, honestly, when I saw her in love her, yeah. I was like, this this girl's got something about yeah. her. Yeah. It's true, much. It is. <laughs> <laughs> you know Jake from him. Yes. He, yeah. he, he said the oh, same yeah. thing. He was like, you know what, the best people are always made. Yeah. <laughs> been through trauma. It's true. Like, yeah, it's it's true. true. <laughs> um, me and Jake actually, we did an event yes. recently, yeah. and it was interesting. We worked together. We were there. We had to stay over for a few nights, and there was like a bunch of us. And me and Jake were just like drawn to each other. I was like, yeah, dead parents. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Do you know what though? That's what the whole real full money experience was like. It's like. You was walking into this like therapy group. Oh my God. And like talking of like the dark humour, like we'd always be like, Jake would like talk about his brother and then he'd be like, and then there was my dad. We'd be like, oh, listen, we, we get <laughs> it. Okay? Every time. You trump all of us. <laughs> we get it. Oh, it was just, it was so fun. So fun. You you make friends for, for life. You through, do. Through trauma. You really do. Shauna, thank you so much for joining us on the Dead Parent Club podcast. You've been an absolute joy. Stand thank again. you so, so oh, much. No, thank you for having me.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 